0: Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Good morning. How's everybody feeling? Good. Who's who's like really charged up and ready today? Like today's the first full day of camp. It's time, right? Hey, uh, I'm excited about this morning. We're going to do a little something different. So I want to open the word with you, of course, but there's going to be some time where I'm going to ask you to kind of turn to the rows you're sitting in and talk about some things amongst yourselves. So I wanted to give you that up front in the beginning so you'd be ready and prepared for that because I I really want you guys to talk and and just kind of process through some of these things because... You guys made some big decisions last night. You've decided that you are turning away from some things. Some of you received healing with family issues and many other issues, but now it's time to say, okay, what do we do from there? One of the questions I asked last night was, how do we get from where we are to where God wants us to be, right? And and we recognize that that humility and that turning was a starting point, that repentance was a starting point. But now we wanna continue this journey because raise your hand if you know this walk with Jesus is lifelong. This is not just a, cool, I went to camp, I did that, I kind of, yeah, I went up and they prayed for me so I don't have to do anything else. We truly follow Jesus all of our lives, amen? Amen. Amen. Go ahead and open your Bibles with me today. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke, book of Luke chapter number nine. And we're going to jump through some things today I'm excited about, and I hope you are too. Luke chapter number 9, when you get there, just yell out, amen. Amen. Nice, nice. What about back there on that side? You guys there? Not yet? No amens back there? Whenever you get there, just give me an amen. Good. I'm hearing some amens on this side, on the left, my left. What over here? No amens over here? Got some people there. Excellent. You guys over there? Amens, amens. Excellent. Luke chapter 9, look at verse number 18. It says this, and it happened as he, Jesus, was alone praying that his disciples joined him, and he asked them this, saying, who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered and said, so this is his disciples answering his question, the crowds say that you're John the Baptist, or some say that you're Elijah, others say that you're one of the old prophets that has risen again. But Jesus says to them, but who do you say that I am? It's a good question, isn't it? Who do you say that I am? And one person speaks up. Peter answers and says, the Christ or the anointed one, the Messiah of God. Bow your hands with me. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, you are great. As we approach your word today, we say thank you for another opportunity. The fact that we're alive today is such a gift. So thank you that you kept us through the night and you woke us up this morning. Lord, we open our hearts again to you, to hear and receive what you have. Thank you for the, the worship, time to just cast aside our cares and, and to really centralize you. So Lord, now we're here saying, speak to us by your spirit. Guide us into all truth in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. So Jesus is with his disciples. And he asked them this question. He says, hey, who are the people saying that I am? And they're like, oh yeah, they're, they're saying you're John the Baptist. Some are saying, well, you guys know John the Baptist was recently beheaded at this time, so he's not alive. But they're thinking, well, maybe he's John the Baptist come back to life. Or others are saying, no, maybe, maybe he's one of the old prophets like Elijah, or maybe he's some other old prophet who was raised again. So they're willing to believe all these things about him. But Jesus kept, took it from this 30,000 foot view and brought it home and said, yeah, but who do you say that I am? Who are you saying that I am? And Peter chimes up. We give Peter a bad rap sometime because often he's recorded in the scripture just saying things sporadically. He'll just jump out and say things. But Peter jumps out and says something right this time. He says, you are the anointed one. You're the Christ, the Messiah. Now listen to this. This is interesting because as we think through some of these things, that's the question that we all have to answer. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Look at verse number 21. And Jesus strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, this is what Jesus said, the son of man, speaking of himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. It's a lot there. He goes on to say this, then he said to them all, now, now you got to see how Jesus is setting this up. Who does everyone say that I am? He lays it, they lay out some answers. Who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. Jesus says, okay, I want you to hear something. I will be rejected by everyone pretty much. All those leaders that we see, all those with the fancy robes and those we consider religious leaders and religious elite, I'm going to be rejected by them and eventually killed. I'm going to lay down my life, but then I'm going to raise or be raised again the third day. And this is how he sets this up. Here it is, verse 23. Then he says to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I don't know about you, but when I read this, that is such, such deep and rich instruction. Listen to this. Jesus has been walking with his disciples for a short time at this point. He had this large group of disciples that would follow him all around. But if you read Luke chapter 5, you would see that it's there that he picks out the 12. And they're with him. They're seeing Jesus do miracles. They're walking and following after him as he's doing the ministry on the earth. But he gets to this point where he says, let's, let's get a little deeper. What is everybody saying? What are you hearing about me? How many of you know we hear a lot about Jesus in these days? Not all good, right? People of the world say all kinds of things about what we believe. What, are the, what is the world saying? They lay it out. He goes, okay, but who do you say? Well, we believe you're the Christ. Now, you have to understand the culture of the day. This is a culture where having a rabbi or a teacher was normal to them. This is not something new, someone they would follow and emulate in life. In fact, if you do any research about rabbis and their students, you'd find that oftentimes the students would imitate the the rabbi or the teacher so much so that even the little intricacies of the rabbi's physical walk the way they physically walked, disciples of those rabbis would imitate that walk, trying to be exactly like their teacher. So this is a culture who understands this follow me type of language. And Jesus is speaking, saying, listen, I want you to understand something. Yes, I picked out these 12, but if you really or if anyone else really wants to come after and follow me or be my disciple, This is what you're going to have to understand. I'm not here for parties. I'm not here for fame. I'm not here to elevate our status so everyone can look at us and say, well, look at those disciples of Jesus. He says, I'm here. I'm on mission for God. I'm here to be rejected by those who are not truly understanding and catching the revelation of what God is doing. I'm here to be countercultural. I'm here ultimately to die. Now, I I don't know about you, but... If your friends called you up and said, oh, man, today's such a great day. i got some great plans. And you're like, yeah, what's up? What are we going to do? And they're like, man, today we're going to go out and we're going to (laughs) die. How many of you know that's not really exciting? If it's my friends, if Pastor Ty or Pastor Joel or anyone calls that I know, they're like, this is what we're going to do today. I'm like, yeah, no, you're tripping. Right? (laughs) Like, you okay, bro? Is everything all right? Did you get any sleep last night? Like, I want to figure out what's going on. But Jesus tells them point blank, this is what my mission here on earth is. And if any of you want to be my disciples, it starts with you denying yourself, you taking up your cross, and you following, becoming a disciple of mine. Now, I want you to realize something. Denying yourself is probably one of the hardest things that we as human beings do. We talked a little bit about that last night because how many of you know we have things that we just want, like we like and we want to go after. We have dreams and visions that if we're not careful can be misaligned with what God's plan for our life is. There's just things that we want to do. Jesus is saying, but if you want to truly be my follower, denial of self is going to be in the forefront. Following that, he says, take up your cross. Now, Jesus was taking up a literal cross. I don't know if you know much about crucifixion, but it wasn't pretty. I know if you've watched any of those old school Jesus movies where it's like, oh, he's on the cross. He has like a little cut here and maybe a little cut on his side. And he's just on the cross like, oh, this is really bad. I just want you to know that's not how it really was. (laughs) And I'll spare you the the gross details of crucifixion. But something that's also always gotten me, just hit me hard when, when I've studied out crucifixion is the fact that crucifixion was a gruesome death, of course. But it wasn't just because, wow, he was hanging on a cross and eventually he died from, from blood loss and things of this sort. The part that always got me with crucifixion is that most people who were crucified would die because the, the sack around their heart would get filled with fluid from a lack of oxygen. They're not able to, to take in the breaths they need to as they're hanging there, their weight on the nails and their hands and their feet. I mean, this, this is a horrible way to die. So the Romans would use this type of punishment to publicly punish people so that anyone who was even thinking about going against their authority would second guess and say, I don't know. Because if I was to be caught, I don't want to die like that. So Jesus is using this language that they culturally understand. He's saying, listen, first, deny yourself. Second, take up your cross and follow me. But the cross that Jesus took was literal. Our cross may look different. Jesus' cross was a part of the plan and purpose for his life. But your cross is God's plan and purpose for your life, your willingness to sacrifice everything else so that you can do what God has created you to do. And when you're willing to do that, Jesus says this, now come be my disciple. So last night you guys said, man, we're repenting. We are turning away. But what are we turning to? Well, we're turning to a life of self denial. We're turning to a life of grabbing a hold of and fully adopting and engaging the plan of God for our lives. We're turning to a life of truly daily following Jesus. You see, I remember in uh, 2004, I had this moment in, in my life that I, I always remember because I was in the Air Force. Now, many of you may know I, I grew up in, a, in church. I grew up in church all the time. My mom was a woman of God. She prayed a lot. So we went through a lot, but she would always point us back to God. That's just how she did it. And I, we were in church anytime church was open. And I remember when I graduated high school, I, I knew I wanted to be in the Air Force. So I enlisted in the Air Force, and I had a blast serving my country. But something happened when I got out on my own. You see, I got on my own, and I'll I'll never forget that first Sunday, me living in my own dorm at the time, and I'm like, wow, I'm free. And I remember waking up on a Sunday morning thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to go to church because that was the rhythm I had for all my my childhood. So I woke up in the morning, and this thought just hit me. Yeah, but you don't really have to go. No one's here making you go. You see, my mom, she was that kind of mom. She'd knock on the door. She was really sweet and soft-spoken. She'd knock on the door, Marcus, it's time to get up. It's like, oh, okay, you kind of turn over, roll over, anybody know what I'm talking about? And then she'd come back a few minutes later, Marcus, little, and little firmer, it's time to get up. Okay, okay, roll over, go back to sleep. You know, mom was being the snooze for me, it was all good. And then mom would come in, and when she'd open the door, she'd walk in, Marcus, I said it's time to get up. Yes, mom, right, <laughs> you're up, you're getting ready, for. because my mom didn't play. See, my mom never studied martial arts in her life, but she had this black belt, and she would use it, for real. Like, she was real serious about that. So I was like, okay, it's time to get up, you know? So I would get up and get ready for church. But that's how it was. Mom would make me go to church. But I didn't realize until I got out of mom's house that my religion, my faith, my walk with Jesus wasn't genuine and sincere. It was just obedience to mom. So when I got in the Air Force, I realized I didn't have to go to church. Guess what I did? I didn't go to church. I stopped, I didn't find a local church, I didn't get plugged in. And you know what happens when you stop getting plugged into Christ-like community? You begin to drift. So I began to dabble into things that I shouldn't have dabbled into. And it became a lifestyle, a stronghold in my life to where now I feel like it wasn't an option anymore. I was addicted to things, I was, I was in bondage to things. So I began living a life that was not like a disciple of Jesus. But in 2004, I was preparing, it was my last year in the Air Force, as far as I knew I didn't wanna keep going for a career, So I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm getting ready to go home soon. So I was having a blast, a quote-unquote, a fun time with my friends. And I remember this one specific night, I, I got, it was a Friday night, I got off of work, I showered up, got all dressed up, because every Friday, me and my friends would go out and party. So I remember, I'm dressed and I'm ready, and, and I'm sitting on the edge of my bed, and my cell phone is right here by my foot for some reason, <laughs> I don't know why it was on the floor, but it was there. And uh, my phone would ring, and somehow, some, something inside of me felt empty. You ever felt that before, like... You're surrounded by people. Things seem good from the outside, but inside you feel empty. And I'm sitting in this dorm room, and my phone's ringing. I can see the caller ID. You're saying my friend's names on there. And I'm like, <sighs> so I just kind of let the phone ring and go to voicemail. And this happened about four or five times, and I know what they're saying. Like, bro, where are you at? So every now and then I'll pick up the phone and check the voicemails. Is my buddies. Where you at? Hey, we're going to Canada. You want to go? Because I was in Montana when I was stationed in the Air Force, and we were right there bordered up with Canada. And in Canada, you could legally do things that you couldn't do in America at a certain age. So I would, cool, I, I, let's we'll go to Canada. Let's go party there, you know? So I remember I would listen to these voicemails like, hey, we're going to Canada, or hey, we're going over to this place, or, or hey, we're partying at such and such's house. You want to come? And every time I listened to those voicemails, none of those things felt appealing in that moment. And I remember I just put my phone back down. You remember that story I told you last night where the preacher came and said, young man, stand up. I'm sitting on the edge of this bed and that's all I could think about. All I could think about was, God's got a plan for your life. He wants to do something with you. You're gonna preach his word. So I'm sitting there trying to reconcile the life that I was currently living and this prophetic declaration over my life. And it just didn't match. I couldn't figure out how am I going to get there from where I am. And man, all of a sudden, this weight of genuine conviction fell on my heart where I realized I am living wrong. And I cried and cried and prayed. Listen, nobody was in that room except me and the presence of God. And I prayed, I said, Lord, I don't know how to get to what you have for me, but I know that the way I'm going is wrong. Forgive me. I want to live this life for you. I want to be what you created me to be. And guess what happened? I kid you not, I didn't understand how to verbalize all this back then, but I really felt like the presence of God, the Holy Spirit just wrapped his arms around me. Once I confessed and, and repented, turned away from that, I feel like he just wrapped his arms around me and comforted me. And that night, Something changed in my life. Now, it wasn't like I woke up the next morning and it's like everything I wanted to do before was gone. No, I woke up the next morning, I still looked the same. You know, it wasn't like I went to bed as a black man, woke up as a Hispanic. Nothing changed like that, right? Everything was still the same outwardly, but something inside was different. And I knew, I knew, no, I want to go after Jesus. So check this out. Shortly after I got out of the Air Force, I'm from California, born and raised. So I moved back to California and I find a church happened to be a four-square church, praise God, and a church that was serious about discipleship. Like, they would use that language. Like, we want to disciple you. We want to teach you how to live this life. And my wife and I, man, we jumped into this discipleship system that they had at the church, and oh, my goodness, we begin to, to read the Word. And let me be honest with you guys. As I'm reading through the Word of God, and I'm, I'm watching and reading and reading, and I grew up in church, but how many of you know sometimes you can go to church, but you're not really listening? You're just kind of there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nobody's doing that right now, though, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, you're there, and you're like, oh, yeah, amen, but your mind's somewhere else, right? That's kind of how I grew up in church. But as I began to really lean in, I would begin reading what the Bible said, and in my heart, I would know, oh, wait, like, I'm supposed to really be doing this. Like, this is not just heavenly suggestions. This is how disciples live. So I began to, with the help and the the, the power of the Holy Spirit, literally— begin to try to match my life to Jesus's life. Literally the what would Jesus do <laughs> questions we, the bracelets we all would wear and things like, I really would try to say, what does the Bible say about this situation? What does the Bible say about that situation? I chose to deny myself. I chose to take up my cross. And I chose to follow Jesus. Now, it was a process, and it's a continual process. I am a disciple of Jesus. I am still being discipled. I'm still being formed into the image of his son. Like, this is what is happening in my life. But I want you to see, when I told you last night the story about me being that timid and insecure young man, if I would have tried on my own to just say, I'm going to have more confidence. I'm just going to stand in the mirror every day and say, you are handsome. You are awesome. You are great. How many of you know that's not going to work? Some of you are like, well, actually, I think I like that method. No, I'm telling you now, that's not going to work. You need the power of God to change you from the inside out. But it starts with you making a decision like you did last night to turn away from those old things. But what are you turning to? You're turning to Jesus saying, but who do you say that I am? And you say, I believe you are the Christ, the anointed one. He goes, good. And if you want to follow after me, deny yourself. Take up your cross and come on, join the party. Be my disciple. See, now the party begins. It was fun last night. Some of you gave your life to Jesus. That was awesome. But now it's time to say, okay, Jesus, what's next? Where do we go next? Okay, Jesus, what else do you want to cut off? Okay, Jesus, what else do you want to put on? Okay, Jesus, how do you want me to live my life? See, this is where people begin to say things like, hey, there's something different about you. Like you, you used to be like this, but man, I, I've noticed some of you need to hear this. Hey, there's something different about you. You used to walk around moping around all the time, but now I feel like you're just full of joy. What happened? What a great opportunity, right? Or, hey, man, what's, what's going on? You used to party with us all the time. You used, to, you used to be down to sneak out or ditch school or do whatever it is. But now, now you're all like, you know, straight and narrow. What's going on? Another great opportunity. You see, when you begin to align your life like Jesus is, he's so countercultural that people begin to notice something is different in your life. Listen to this. John chapter number eight. I like how this reads uh, in the New, or excuse me, I actually did this in the New King James. John 8, 31 through 32, Jesus says to those Jews who believed him. Notice, these are people... Jewish people in this area that Jesus is ministering, they believe what he's saying to a point. He says this, if you abide or continue in my word, notice what he says, you are my disciples and indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Notice how he sets this up. The prerequisite is this, you have to continue in my word. See, when you go to school, you're in history class, you have a teacher who is teaching you because he or she has studied, spent time with the text, and and done the research and things, and then they teach you about history. I don't know what kind of schools you guys go to, but I doubt that in your school your teacher begins to teach and you put your hand up and say, no, 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 no. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I actually think that uh, the history went like this. Now, usually in school we don't do that. We we lean into the teacher because we recognize they're the ones who knows about this text or about this 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 historical situation. So we lean into them. What Jesus is saying, if you continue in my word, amen, somebody. If you continue in my word, I, I wanna I want to dwell here for a minute. If you continue in My word, notice he didn't say if you continue in social media and really follow hard after what they're doing, those influencers on YouTube, if you really follow hard after that, then you'll be my disciple. Notice, isn't it interesting the language we use? We're followers of such and such. I even hear some of you guys, hey, do you follow such and such? Do you follow, oh, do you follow this? Do you follow that? But the question should really be hey, do you follow Jesus? Oh, Aaron, someone didn't like that. That was a tough one. Do you follow Jesus? Can you imagine? Think about it for a minute. When you, and, and we all, my phone's over there, but we all have it. You, you get your phone, if you're not careful, all these notifications pop up. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? These notifications pop up, and you're like, oh, okay, they just posted a new video. And you jump on the video, oh, that was awesome. But see, what we don't realize, we think on the outside, like, oh, that's just cool. I'm just watching the video. But remember Proverbs chapter 4, guard your heart above all else. For from out of your heart flows the issues or the boundaries of your life. So whatever is going into your eyes, whatever is going into your ears is ultimately falling into the, the, the container of your heart. And it's from the container of your heart that your life begins to be lived out. So as you are looking at these things, these influencers are influencing you to live their lifestyle. You are being discipled by who you follow. Man, I I like that, I wanna say that again. You are being discipled by who you follow. Now see, on an earthly sense, you may say, well, following them is cool because look, they're like famous, like people know them. Like, it's really cool. That's what I want. Honestly, if that's all you want in life, you're going to feel really empty in your life. But what if we decided to follow Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I subscribe, right? Okay, Jesus, I click like and I'm following. I'm coming after you. What do you say today? When I wake up in the morning, I heard, man, this was, oh my goodness, I'm getting old. I'd say about 15 years ago. Yeah, right about 15 years ago, I remember a man by the name of Randy Collins told me something and it it impacted me. Now, this is that part of my life where I'm really kind of wrestling with trying to, to walk after Jesus. And he said, he said this in a message he was teaching. He goes, you know, when I get out of the bed in the morning, I do something that's kind of weird. And I'm like, where is this going? Right. And he says, I try my best. I roll out of the bed and before my feet hit the ground, I try to land on my knees and just thank the Lord and submit myself to him. Now, when he said that, I was trying to think, how do you roll out of the bed <laughs> without your feet hitting the ground? But it's funny, but I went home and tried it. Now, listen, I can't say I have a 100% track record, but I try my best every morning to start off on the edge of my bed, on my knees, saying, Lord, thank you for keeping me through the night. Thank you for this day. I know you have purpose for me today. So, Lord, I submit myself to you. Why? Because I want Jesus to know and I want myself to know. He's number one in my life. I'm his disciple and no one else's. So I want what he wants for me. Come on, somebody. Say amen. That was good. The truth of the matter is, young folks, we got to be these kind of people. We can't let the world tell us how to live when they're not the creator. You see, the creator, the one who created you, has his fingerprints all over you, all inside of you. There, He knows every detail and part of your life. So why do we go to the world, people who don't know or care about us at all, to try to figure out how we can have purpose? You see, I'm an Apple guy, if you can't tell. i got my little iPad there, my, my Mac in my bag, my, my iPhone. It's because that's the one that Jesus likes. So that's the one i no, I'm joking. So, but I like Apple products. they just, they integrate so well. But see, if something was to ever go wrong with one of my Apple products, I don't go to the Samsung store and say, can you fix this? Somebody hears where I'm going with this. Because, see, the truth of the matter is, though they create phones and things of that sort, they are not the originators of the Apple device. I need to go to the creators of the device, the ones who know it intricately inside and out, and say, hey, something's not right. Can you fix this? You see, but we have bought, again, that counterfeit, that lie, something's wrong with my life. And instead of going to the creator, come on, somebody, the one who knows everything, we want to go over here. Well, maybe this person could tell me what I should do. Or maybe I can find my fulfillment in this guy that likes me. Or maybe this girl who thinks I'm cute. Or maybe I can go over here and do this substance because that substance will give me that, that feeling I've been looking for. But the truth of the matter is all that is temporal and earthly. It's sensual. Yes, you feel it, and it may feel good for a little while. But listen, the devil pays his people for a little while he'll make it seem enticing yeah keep going yeah that's all see see look at that look at that but all the while he's waiting to just snatch that rug from under you we go back to the creator and say Jesus I want to be a disciple of yours what do you have for me turning your Bibles to the book of Luke if you're, you're probably already there flip over to Luke 6 actually I like to, when I teach, I like to share stories from my life because it's, it's what I've handled with my own hands. It's just where I've been and how I've walked. But this Luke chapter six passage that I'm taking to you has been a passage that has really, really taught me a lot about living for Jesus and really helped me over the course of my, my walk with him. I want to share something with you. Jesus is speaking, look at verse number 46 and Jesus is the master of asking amazing questions. He really does just ask amazing questions. Listen to what he says in Luke 6, 46. He says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Now, this is interesting. If we were to break down this word, Lord, uh, we would say it's the word kurios, right? And this word literally means, if I can give you four simple definitions, master, owner, controller, and decision maker, right? So listen to this. Master, owner, controller, and decision maker, So listen to what Jesus is saying to these people. Why do you guys say that I'm your master, your owner, your controller, and your decision maker, but you don't even do what I say? That is such a good question, isn't it? Why are you telling people, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, Jesus freak, baby, that's me. But we don't do anything that Jesus says to do. Listen to what he goes on to say, man, this Jesus can preach. Listen to what he says, In verse 47, he says, whoever comes to me, look at your neighbor and say, come to me. me. Here's my sayings. Look at your other neighbor and say, Hear my sayings. sayings. And the last one, look at your other neighbor and say, does them. So Jesus says, whoever comes to me, hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who this person is like. Oh, this is getting good. He or she is like a person building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation of that house on the rock. And if there was possibly a storm, or is it on the, and, and let me see, whoever comes to me, hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he's like. Jesus goes on to say, and when, not if, when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently or violently, forcefully against that house and could not shake it. Why? For it was founded on the rock. But then he says, in contrast, but he or she who hears and does nothing, It's like a person who built a house on the earth, the soft soil, without a foundation against which the same stream beat just as violently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, we say historically that Jesus was a carpenter, but how many of you know he wasn't really talking about building houses, although this does apply? He was talking about building lives, and he's saying, listen, why do you say I'm your Lord? but then you don't do what I say. Let me tell you something. If you come to me, speaking of Jesus, you hear what I'm saying and you do what I'm telling you to do, you'll be this kind of person. You'll be the kind of person who does the hard work necessary to dig deep into the dirt, to dig deep into the dirt, to dig deep into the dirt. Anyone ever dug a hole? That's not easy, is it? That's not easy at all who dug deep into the dirt so deep that you hit the bedrock that foundation that solid rock ting right you know when you when you when you're shoveling ch- 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 ting oh good we got there right all of a sudden you hear that noise you realize we hit something that's impenetrable it's not going to be able to be dug out jesus says the one who comes to me hears my sayings and does them is like that person who did the hard work of digging and digging getting all the stuff out of the way that doesn't need to be there finding that bedrock and saying yes now on this rock this is where I want to plant my life this rock can't be moved so if I'm connected and lagged down to this rock I won't be moved so when the storms of life come tell me if you ever had a storm in your life any hard time ever happened in your life? Some of you are like, man, we are in the storm right now. But see, when I'm lagged down to this rock, the storm's going to come, and it's going to beat and beat and beat against that life. But guess what? You're lagged down to the rock. So it's beating against you, and that rock's not moving. You're not moving. Your eyes are fixed on Jesus. You're like, you know what, Lord? Thank you that you're with me. You're the rock of your word, the rock of who you are. I'm lagged to it, and I am solid. But listen to me. The other side is the guy who said, ah, oh, that's too much work. This whole church thing and being a disciple and like not doing what I want to do, like, this is just too much. You know what? I like this area. I like the view. I'm just gonna build my house right here on this. So they they stand on their little sandy surface, there's their soil, and they say, This is cool, this looks nice, you know? Let me build up this life right here. And the life may look great, but when? Not if. But when the same storm that beat against this person on the solid foundation, that same storm comes against this person's life, please hear me. And they're like, cool, that guy's house stood out. I think I'll be fine. And they're there standing, but they don't have a solid foundation. And guess what? The Bible says immediately. This is not like, oh, it took me 25 years, then it all fell apart. Immediately, this house was destroyed, and the ruin of that, let me stop saying house, the ruin of that life was great. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is trying to teach us something. If you become my disciple, I will teach you how to be solid. I will teach you how to weather the storms. I will teach you how to stand upon my truth and my word. I will teach you how to walk like me. You see, I told you early on that some of the disciples that would follow rabbis, if the rabbi had a limp, The disciples would be emulating them so much that they'd all be trying to walk like their disciples, excuse me, like their their rabbi. They want to emulate them so much because they respect them so much. What if we decided to, to walk like Jesus? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. This is the invitation that Jesus is extending to us. It's more than just I raised my hand and said yes to Jesus. Now I'm saying I am committing to be a disciple of Jesus for the rest of my life. Before we break into small groups, I want to tell you this. It's not always easy. I don't want to paint this rose-colored picture for you, seeing through rose-colored glasses, like everything's just going to be perfect. Like as soon as you say yes to Jesus, nothing bad will ever happen to you again. Didn't say that. He said the storms will come but I love that he also promised that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So even in the midst of hard times, some of you I talked to last night, we talked about that. Even in the midst of hard times, we know he's right there. We can call on him. We can talk honestly to him. You see, because this is real life. This is real life. In 2013, I was pastoring a church in San Clemente, California, right by the beach. Beautiful area, beautiful people. Or excuse me, let me back up, 2012. And I got a call from my mom. How many of you love your mom? Anybody love their mama? And uh, my mom said, Marcus, I got to tell you something. And I knew, uh-oh, what, what's going on? And she said, I got a diagnosis. I have breast cancer. I said, what? She said, yeah, I just, just found out. What I didn't know is that my mom was trying to protect us, her children, so she didn't tell us how severe it was. She said, yeah, I, you know, I gotta go back and do some more tests and things. And uh, if I fast forward through the year, I get a call in December of that same year from my uncle, my mom's brother. And he says, Marcus, uh, your mom's not doing well. We have to rush her to the hospital. Uh, you and Star and the family need to come on up right now. I lived in Southern California. They lived in Northern California. I said, what's what's going on, man? He said, you guys need to come up. And my uncle, 22-year police officer, out in California, a very straightforward guy. He's not, he's not exaggerating, that's not his personality. So when he's not overly emotional, but when he said you need to come up all in those words, I knew this is, this is not the kind of report I wanna hear. So we canceled everything we had going on, so let's get up there immediately. Me and the family hopped in the car. We drove up to Northern California. I walk into this hospital and I'm praying the whole time, like, Lord, come on, Lord, you are good. I trust you, give me the strength to walk through this, uh, strengthen us, strengthen my mom. Like I'm, I'm praying through all these things. I open this hospital door and I see my mom laid up in this bed with this tube down her throat, IVs in her arms. I mean, nobody wants to see that. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness. Like I've seen my mom go through a lot. We've been through a lot together. But that moment, that was tough. So I go in there and uh, my mom and all her frailty, she had been going through chemo and all that stuff. She tried her best to sit up in that bed to hug me. And oh, just seeing that struggle, that hit me so hard. And I hugged her and I said, I love you, mom. And we began to talk a little bit, but she couldn't talk. She has this tube in her in her throat. So I'm talking to her and she's squeezing my hand, like letting me know she's responding. So for the next three days, four days, we're with her all the time, praying with her, talking with her. I'm spending time by myself in prayer. Lord, please heal my mom. On January 7th, 2013, me and my three siblings are in the hospital room. We're huddled up in the circle right at the foot of my mom's bed and we're talking. And you guys know, it's kind of like the movies, all those beeps and alarms start going off. So we turn, we're like, what's going on, you know? And I start praying over mom and the, the nurses, everybody comes in. And it's interesting because we sat next to my mom as she breathed her last breath and I watched the life leave her body. And I thought, the one woman, in a sense the one person who has been with me through my ups and downs, is gone. That quick. 48 years old she was, my mom had me pretty young, she was 48, she passed away. How many of you know that's a little bit of a storm? now my mind's thinking man what what do we do with this like what I have to reconcile my mom's not even here anymore and I'm pastoring this church like but I don't want to rush away from there there's business you have to handle when someone passes away but wait a minute my mom died like what like all these things are going through my head and you know what I was so grateful for I was grateful for this I was grateful that I had been taught that Jesus is with you even through the storms. You see, because I've heard a lot of stories from even close friends who had these kind of situations and they decided, you know what, I'm done with this. Why wasn't my mom healed? I'm done. And they go off the deep end. But see, because Jesus had touched my life and is so real to me, I can't give you all the answers. I can't say, yeah, I know every specific detail of why things have played out the way they have. But I can know who to point the blame at Y'all ready for this? You see, I don't point the blame at God. Oh, look at what you've done. No, I remember what happened in the garden. I remember when the serpent deceived Eve. I remember when sin entered the world once Adam took of the fruit and ate. And I remember that Paul tells us in the book of Romans that when sin entered the world, death rolled in on its back. If I didn't have that solid foundation, I may be that guy that my dad was that went off on the deep end and said, who cares and abandoned his family and who cares about this life? It's not worth it anyway. But instead I was able to stand with my wife and stand with my brothers and my sister and, and, and still stand in faith, believing, you know what? My mom may not be here physically, but boy, she is in heaven and I'm going to see her again. There is hope. I don't have to be hopeless in that. Why? Because I made a decision to say, Jesus, I don't care what storm comes. (laughs) I don't care how tough things get. (laughs) I'm gonna lag my life down to your word. And if I don't understand, I'm gonna bring all those questions to you, (laughs) but I'm not stepping off of what you said. (laughs) You changed me, you changed me. I'm living witness that you are real. So if things don't match what I think they should, I'm still coming back to this, because this is truth. All that other stuff, as the song says, is simply seeking sand. You have to understand something. To be a disciple, you have to commit that no matter what, I'm lagging my life down to Jesus. The Word of God. Amen. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.